This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Just how fast are electric vehicles replacing gas-powered cars? How will that impact the ethanol industry? It's just one of the questions we consider with an organization working on a number of farm economic indicators. We'll take a look at the hidden impact of rising interest rates as well. It's our topics for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've used Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. And now, that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plants. To learn more, just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. Matt Roberts is the Senior Grain and Oilseed Analyst at Terrain. If you've not heard of Terrain, well, perhaps that's because it's very new. In fact, Matt will joke about that in just a moment. It's actually a new service through some ag organizations that provide key economic information to those in agriculture. When I sat down with Matt, we mostly focused on two key questions he's been evaluating. How fast are electric vehicles replacing gas-powered cars, and what's that mean for the farm sector? And... What are some of the hidden impacts of rising interest rates that farmers should be aware of in the coming year? Specifically, we take a look at the impact on grain marketing. Here's our conversation. Let's talk about terrain first. What is terrain and what does it do? Terrain is a group of analysts that have been put together to provide best-in-class research analysis advice to the customers of its farm credits. It was created by three leading farm credits, American Ag Credit, Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm, Frontier Farm Credit to really help customers navigate an ever more volatile world. So we're going to talk about a couple of specific areas, but give I an overall view of what Terrain then is doing or how they're helping local farmers out there across the nation. So we're still new, so we're still ramping up. But what we've done so far in the week that we've existed, we've released Outlook uh, reports, we quarterly outlook reports on where we see commodities. We cover, as because of our geographical reach, we cover everything from California to Iowa, as I like to say, wheat to walnuts, a very broad swath. I'm grains and oil seeds. I've been at, working in the Midwest for 20 years, uh, working with corn, soybean, wheat growers. Uh, we just released a think piece, kind of a longer-term report on the future of ethanol in a world of rapidly electrifying cars. Uh, these are the kind of things we're going to be releasing on a monthly basis where it's a little bigger picture, a little more challenging. At the same time, we're going to be talking about very practical things. What is what does carbon sequestration mean? What are the economics? What should you be thinking about as a grower when you're evaluating these decisions? How do we think about it? So personally, my background is an extension economist from Ohio State University. So I look at it very similar to that. We'll be doing research. We'll be doing analysis. We'll be meeting farmers, 
talking with them, how can you be more profitable and effective in your business? So let's talk about ethanol for just a moment, because certainly ethanol plays a big role in our markets, but we do see EVs coming along. How quick are we going to make this change, and how quick does the impact come to ethanol? That's a question I've been getting so much over the past few years from farmers. We look at California. We see the headlines. California, no gas cars sold after 2035, yet 35 to 40 percent of corn production goes into ethanol. Automakers saying we're going to stop making gas cars. So I've spent the last couple months really trying to dive into this. It's near and dear to my heart. I'm family founded a Chevy dealership in 1928 in southern Missouri. So what I found is the impact is going to be much, much less than any of these headlines give the idea. And here's why. The biggest driver is the used car market. Even as we hear about new cars, ending the sale of new cars, and we're going to come back to what that really means in a moment, average age of a passenger car in America is 13.1 years. And it's been increasing for the last decade. One of the main reasons it's been increasing, new cars are more and more expensive. We look at battery electric vehicles, we look at electrified vehicles, they're even more expensive. So we're seeing people keep their cars longer, repair them, newer cars last longer. Those are still burning gasoline. We carry that out into the future. Again, average age, 13.1 years now. The second one is when you look at the fine print in these announcements, they're saying it is in California by 2035, we're only going to sell electrified vehicles. That includes plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. Those also burn gas. And what we see through various studies, roughly 60% of the time, those vehicles are operating on gas. In certain cases, even more than that. So when we put this all together, we're talking about a 1% to 3% decline in corn demand by 2035. It's not going to be giant, particularly when we think about the, the impact. That's basically one year of trend line yield. We carry this out to 2050. It's going to be bigger in terms of bushels, but we think about this in terms of acres. Carry out those trend line yields. I think we're talking 25 to 40 cent impact in those time periods. This is not going to be a big deal. The headlines, it's easy to think about this, but it ignores both the fine print and the reality of the used car markets. What would you tell farmers then to think about, or should they even be thinking about this this change as we come along? Or is it going to be so slow that we really won't have to, in a sense, worry about it uh, going forward? Most of the farmers who've asked me these questions have been worried about their land investments, worried about what this means for my kids who want to come back to the farm, right? These long-term decisions. My take, don't worry about it. This is not an issue. Now, if I'm the RFA, if I'm the NCGA, that's different. It does matter to the industry. But if I'm making decisions as an individual farmer, the consequences of this are going to be very small, if even noticeable, in the volatility. Think back to where the market was five years ago, ten years ago. Who would have ever guessed we got to this? What I tell farmers is this is an interesting story. We need to understand it but it should have no bearing at all on your decisions in how you operate your farm. 
let's switch subjects a bit to something that may have a big bearing on the farm, and that is interest rates, but specifically thinking about grain storage, because you've done work on this and having to reevaluate whether I'm going to store some of that crop or not. Exactly. This is the time of year we drive through, we see, depending where you are in the country, you may see piles, you certainly see some full elevators. Obviously, some years didn't, some areas didn't have it quite as good. One big change in the last 12 months has been the Federal Reserve tightening interest rates. We're all aware of that, but what I think is less obvious is the impact that has on your profits in storing grain. Now, farmers store grain for a lot of reasons. can be logistics, can be tax management, carrying it into the new year. But if you're storing grain past January 2nd, you're doing it to earn money. And by the way, that's okay. But you need to realize the increase in interest rates mean your cost of storing grain, of storing corn, has gone up 2.3 cents per bushel per month. Your cost of storing beans has gone up 4.3 cents per bushel per month. So if we used to think you needed to see a carry in the market of, say, three cents in corn per month, now you need to see it five cents per month. In beans, we used to think maybe it was four cents. Now it needs to be eight cents just to break even and and make your money on basis. That's a big swing when it comes to storing grain. When you count that up across storing into March, April, May, June, now you're talking about 20 cents, 30 cents, 40 cents extra you've got to earn from basis that you didn't have to earn in previous years. How does that impact farmers now? Because certainly interest rates have gone up, but there is the case to be made. We'll come back down on the other side fairly quickly. So should I put off the idea of building more storage or is it just more be aware of what is going on in the marketplace right now? So from a short-term perspective, it is when I've got grain stored, I need to realize that is money. All that grain could be money. And that money can be used to pay down my line or to go into into a bank, into a savings account, into an investment, and earn me more money. So from a short term, it is realize that your costs have gone up a lot in just in the storage. In a longer term perspective, it doesn't mean don't build storage. It means if you're building storage to earn money from storing grain, realize that just got a lot harder. If you're doing it for logistics, different answer. Logistics are logistics. It doesn't change that. But it does change the idea that I'm going to store into April. I'm going to store into May. Maybe I'm going to store into July. Great. But that storing into July in corn is now going to cost you an extra 20 cents over the 20 cents, 30 cents, 40 cents it cost you before. Do you think that the market realizes that, that it will shift pricing enough? Or is it something that because we've run up so fast, people just didn't think about, oh, wow, that storage is costing me a lot more than it used to. We're in a point where inventories are tight enough globally. The market hasn't had to worry about this. Right now, we're not in a big carry market because when we look around, whether it's due to the Mississippi River, whether it's due to the war between Ukraine and Russia, whether it's just due to yields globally, this situation is tight. So the market hasn't had to worry about that, but farmers still need to worry about it. And it's an issue I haven't seen discussed anywhere. But again, it's an issue that is a tens of thousands of dollar issue to a lot of producers in this country. 
other things that should be top of mind for farmers as we head into 2023? Keep a sense of some optimism. I don't think 2023 is going to be as profitable as the last few years. We do know that input costs are higher, and it's death by a thousand cuts, whether it's interest rates, whether it's diesel, whether it's fertilizer. There's a lot of factors coming into this, but we are still looking at solid prices, tight global stocks. I think 23 is going to work out. I think at the back half of the 22 harvest, I do have worry about downside risk, particularly in corn, because our exports have been slow and USDA has not updated its balance sheets. I think they have to cut exports by 200 to 300 million bushels. Sales are running a third behind where they should this time of year. We've got to make that up or we've got to cut it. So I do think there is some downside price risk here in the old crop, but overall the prospects are still good simply because there's a lot of demand out there and there's not as much grain out there as we'd like. In the second part of this week's show, we get a crop nutrient update from our recent trip to the National Association of Farm Broadcasters Convention. That annual meeting brings together many ag service companies, and I thought I'd share a couple of those interviews on this week's show. First up is Clayton Evans, a senior scientist at Pivot Bio. I asked him about a very large field trial they did this year and what the company and farmers are learning about the best mix of nitrogen sources for a crop. Clayton, certainly most people have heard of Pivot Bio, uh, but tell me, as you continue to get further into more growing seasons, what is it you're learning about your, your own product, in a sense? I think one of the, the key learnings for, from this year specifically, we put, this is the fifth year we've been commercial, um, but this is the first year where we did a large-scale nitrogen measurement study with over 1,400 different growers during the summer. Um, so one of the key learnings from that is getting, getting commercial and professional agronomists on farm. We're seeing that when we're replacing synthetic nitrogen, we're still putting more nitrogen in the plants and creating a bigger, stronger plant um, over the course of the growing season across the United States. I think growers are always after bigger yields, and there's nothing wrong with that. But do you think that Pivot Bio's place is more replacing synthetic nitrogen? I mean, certainly if we get better yields, but it's all about margin. So where does Pivot Bio, do you think, position in the marketplace? Yeah, the, the way that I really see this product position is, is being able to go out and, and replace 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen with a more reliable uh, microbial nitrogen source. So we know that, that our nitrogen... Um, our microbial nitrogen lives on the roots of those crops, supplying 40 pounds of nitrogen over the course of the growing season. And our nitrogen isn't, uh, isn't vulnerable to, to leaching into waterways or volatilizing into the air like other traditional synthetic nitrogen sources are. I know numbers are going to be different every place, of course. But if I can replace 40 pounds of synthetic with what Pivot Bio will do, What's that mean on my balance sheet in the end? How am I uh, going to turn out, I guess you would say? Right, right. So that, that's, like you said, that's probably a little different for everyone else. Um, for our pricing this year, um, you can get our, our product is anywhere from 52 to 62 um, cents per pound of nitrogen, uh, supplying 40 pounds of nitrogen to that crop over the course of the growing season. As we're going out there and looking about how people are using the product, do you have one way you suggest? Is it, okay, don't use as much synthetic or use as much as you always has and use this on top? How do I decide how I best want to use Pivot Bio? Yeah, so so 
where you use the product um, or, or, or where, where you're pulling out um, 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen and replacing that with proven 40, we feel like every, every operation is a little bit different. So that's something um, that we really suggest that you worked with your professional, uh, professional agronomist on. But the, the, thing, uh, the great thing about Pivot Bio Proven 40 is that it really does have a place on every acre. Um, so because we are a microbial nitrogen source that lives on those roots and it, it uh, doesn't uh, volatilize or leach into the environment, we're providing that 40 pounds in um, wet springs. We saw that this year or in dry conditions um, later in the summer. We know that our product's there and it's working and it's supplying 40 pounds over the course of the growing season. The on-seed product, some people will know about, but that is a little bit newer in the portfolio from Pivot Bio, so talk about it. Yeah, so this is the first year where we have uh, a new application method. So we still have our traditional in-furrow product, but now Proven 40 is also available on seed. So this is the first time um, that anyone has had a microbial nitrogen source that's applied on seed right before planting. Um, and it's the same, um, the same product as our Inferro product, but in, in, but now it's it's available to, um, to to growers across the nation because we don't require any special equipment or an extra pass to be able to put this on. Um, you'd work with your independent sales rep and and apply that before planting on seed. You mentioned the large scale study you did this last year. So, what were some of the specific things that stood out to you as you looked across growers all across the nation? What were you seeing in that study? Yeah. So, so to give a little context, so so for this study, um, we have a professional commercial agronomy team, and our team um, went out and visited with over fourteen hundred growers with, on over twenty five hundred different fields where we use Pivot Bio Proven Forty. Um, and what we did is we asked growers to apply Proven 40 to their, to their operation and pull out up to 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen, but leave a check strip with your grower standard practice where you do your full nitrogen rate. And what we found is that the, in the areas where we had Pivot Bio Proven 40, we had 14% more nitrogen in those plants, and we had 12% larger plants, bigger plants, compared to the grower standard practice or that untreated control. Um, and we did that across 33 different states and, and 2,700 different fields. We tend to think about this discussion as corn, but you're using this in many different crops. Talk about that for just a moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we saw um, great results with Pivot Bio Return. We did a similar um, on-farm measurement study this past summer um, with hundreds of growers. And, and we found similar results where we're increasing that plant nitrogen status when we're pulling out 20 pounds of nitrogen and using return. Um, and so that, that was across many different crops. We saw that on sorghum, small grains such as wheat, um, as well as sunflowers and millet. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Next up is Marissa Mant, the technical sales manager at Verdesian Life Sciences. Verdesian has recently launched a series of products to help farmers get better use out of some of the inputs they already use. She'll explain what some of those items are and the science behind them. Marissa, let's just simply begin with Verdesian. It's a name that many farmers may know, but some may not know all that Verdesian does. But you work with a lot of different products for a lot of different crops. Yes, most definitely. So we are a global nutrient use efficiency company. And we pride ourselves as being the NUE, the nutrient use efficiency people. 
And I say that because our specialization is in this space. And that falls really into three tangible categories for our customers. The first one being we help increase nutrient uptake and utilization of nutrients within that crop. Second, we help grow that sustainability message within our production agriculture, as well as promoting soil health. And then last but not least, either helping growers push yield or overcome those environmental stress challenges that we're faced with every day. Let's talk about a couple of products in particular. One, Seed Plus Graphite, which was out last year. And, you know, I think about every farmer out there is putting some type of lubricant on seed. But Verdesian's product does even more than that. So talk about it for a moment. Certainly. So Seed Plus Graphite is really a innovative product that I've loved to represent over the last year and a half that we've launched this product. So as you mentioned, most growers today are putting out some type of a talc or a graphite. So what we've done is developed a product that can directly replace your talc graphite. It is an 80-20, but it also combines a micronutrient package and a secondary package of fermentation metabolites and seaweed extracts. And there's a couple of different reasons of why we have those extra additives within that. Um, The main one being the micronutrients is helping with emergence. So we know through multiple studies that the closer you can get those plants to emerge to each other, the better chance at a higher yield we have because they're not creating competition within the row. So those micronutrients are creating that faster development, faster and more even emergence. And then the fermentation metabolites and the seaweed extracts are actually helping that crop overcome any of those environmental stresses, which a lot of times can rob yield from the get-go. Talk to farmers then that may see this, and I put it on in the box. How do I know that the results are there? Because sometimes it's hard for us to quantify that and say, okay, this made me so much. What do the field trials tell us out there? Yeah, the field trials today are showing an average of six bushels an acre on corn and up to three bushels an acre on soybeans. We've seen more than that in some scenarios. This product really, really performs well in your environmental stress areas. So if you're considering putting this on your dryland acre, on how can I help those crops overcome being in a dryland situation, you can see more so than the national averages. You have another product, Takeoff. And so tell us a little bit about Takeoff. So Takeoff LS is a biostimulant-esque product. So what this means is you can put this either in furrow with your starter applications, you can create this in a foliar application or a fungicide application. It does have a micronutrient package to it, but it contains some of that same fermentation metabolite seaweed extract active ingredients. And what this is doing in through a foliar spray or through your in furrow application is it's helping those plants utilize nitrogen more efficiently, which can then turn into amino acids, proteins, things that correlate into actual growth in roots, tissue, and then ultimately yield. So it sounds like I have the option to do something maybe info or early, but otherwise am I looking at maybe over-the-top type of fungicide applications is, is my way to get this product on too? So this could ride along with any of your post-herbicide applications, Or if you are doing an aerial or ground rig fungicide application, you can certainly do that as well. I've heard you speak about environment quite a bit. And I think, you know, all farmers at heart are, in a sense, environmentalists from the standpoint we want to do good things for the land. But talk about what you're seeing out there nationally or internationally. 
what is it we have to be thinking about and, and thinking about using some of these products in a sense to perhaps do these things better? How are we going to be measured in the future? What do you see coming down the road? Because you're certainly working with people all over. So nitrogen and phosphorus have been really hot topics in the industry, especially around government regulations. And so at Verdesian, we've already been working on this for a long time. So we have the science that is backing our products. Some of those things include Trident, which is our new nitrogen stabilization product. It protects your nitrogen source from all three forms of nitrogen loss. So nitrification, denitrification, and volatilization. So that way we aren't losing nitrogen to the environment and leaching that into our groundwaters. And then some of our phosphorus enhancement products like Avail or our new product, Free Up, which aim at keeping your phosphorus from being tied up in the soil and actually allowing that crop to uptake it in year one rather than it sitting in the soil and breaking down over time. When you think about those products specifically working with fertilizers, there are other similar things perhaps out there. So what makes these, in a sense, different or better out there in the marketplace? So I think that comes down to the science and the technologies that we've put into this. We have done a lot of studies to ensure that we have the premium products in the marketplace that are not only going to be effective for those phosphorus or nitrogen stabilizer properties, but also cost effective to the grower. So we're having that net return. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and now TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside. We're always using those social media platforms to share more information, pictures, and videos during the week. And remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways as well at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farm in the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.